Okay, thanks for tuning in again today, guys. Today's show is, uh, I think it's great. We did this recording about three months ago. So this is about one of my multifamily properties that I had listed for sale, and we had it under contract. We were doing the due diligence period where the purchaser was going through you know, appraisal, inspection, environmental, working with lenders. Um, so usually on the commercial side or multifamily side of these transactions, you'll have a, maybe a, a two-month due diligence period because these things take a little bit longer especially when you're getting into like environmental phase one and two and and that type of stuff. And during that period, you know, you kind of go back and forth disclosing financial statements and everything like that. So everyone's comfortable with how the property looks and you usually get a, like a two-year track record for financial statements. And that's mostly because lenders also need to do massive due diligence on these type of investments for them to make sure the debt coverage ratio works for them. So During this, um, we had three potential purchasers. I chose the one that I thought had the best ability to close on the property on the timeframe that was required by me. This gentleman and his partner, big time players in the industry, have thousands of units, mostly in the middle of Canada, in the prairies, but uh, they were looking to move out west a little bit. Really great guy to work with, good relationship the whole time. Unfortunately, we recorded this a couple days before subject removal, and maybe that jinxed it. But uh, he backed out of the deal, and you know we're all about transparency on this show. So I just wanted to to preface this show, uh, disclosing that yeah, the deal collapsed. But essentially, there's there's multiple exit strategies when it comes to these type of properties, and you know we are well aware that getting a property under contract for the sale or the purchase is only one of the steps involved you know actually being able to close on it is the important one so anyways we chose a a purchaser we thought had the the power to uh to close on it he did quite a bit of due diligence he flew out there he walked through every single unit met with the property manager gotten an inspection appraisal environmental everything was done there were no red flags everything looked great on his point of view he just backed out of it primarily because he felt the loan to value that he could get for a lender wasn't what he needed in terms of his investment portfolio that they currently have. And his strategy is basically, you know, buy these assets, these these turnkey type assets, find out where he can add value. And for him, that's the CMHC type financing where he's going to do efficiency, affordability or accessibility. So the MLI select program, pull out his equity put it on a 35, 40-year amortization, a low interest rate, and uh, basically hold on to it indefinitely. I'm assuming he's building a, a massive portfolio that they'll then sell off to an institutional investor. So uh, I wouldn't say a common strategy for most investors that we speak to, but it, it definitely is a scalable strategy if you have the, uh, the knowledge and know-how to do it. So anyways, he backed out of the deal because the loan-to-value wasn't there on the initial state that he needed. And that's basically due to when cap rates become lower than what the interest rates are offered by the bank. And most commercial loans are on fixed rates. As you know, the bond market's gone up. So that fixed rate, let's say, is at 6%. And the cap rate is roughly around that 6%. It starts to become 
evident that these type of properties don't really debt service themselves as well as they used to when the cap rates used to be much higher. When that happens, your loan to value decreases. So that was the position he was in. So he wanted to step away from it. Totally fine. The appraisal that he had done, it came back at 3.75. So about an extra $500,000 of meat on the bone there. So he walked away from a, a great purchase in terms of how the numbers looked there. But easy enough for me to pivot from that. Essentially, what you can do then is you can buy the appraisal from the previous person that technically owned it. Same with the inspection environmental, just by doing like letter of transmittal. So I was able to work with him. He didn't charge me anything for it. I just paid the appraiser and the environmental company, um, you know, a few hundred bucks each and got those letters revised over to me. So they were acceptable to my lender. They have to be on the approved list for the lender, but then I carried out a refinance on it. How that looked is you know similar to a residential refi based on the value, but with commercial properties, it's your DCR. So whatever your debt coverage ratio is, the lender needs to make sure that you know, you're taking on a loan, the income from the property can then service. So I went with a, a lender primarily due to another product they have. And for these commercial lenders, it's pretty specific. They don't have a lot of lenders that have this product. So essentially I did a mixture of a, you know, conventional five-year fixed commercial product. In addition to that, I got an operating line of credit. So transparency in numbers, uh, the refi was for 1,400,000. So that gave me a bit of cash back. And then I did an operating line for 650,000. The reason I like that operating line of credit, it's on prime plus 1%. So it's quite a bit higher than your conventional commercial mortgage. However, it gives me full autonomy and flexibility of that line of credit. And if I'm not using it, I'm not paying for it. Uh, But when there's an investment that I want to deploy capital on quickly, I have access to it immediately. And then I'm paying the interest on it. And just to highlight, you know, since this deal fell through, yeah, it's probably like business savvy wise better for me. Although, you know, it's more work for me to continue to look after that property. But most investors would say, yes, keep your property forever. Don't sell, refinance. You know, you're not paying capital gains on that liquidity you're tapping into. So there's a lot of pros to hold on to these properties. But I, I would be looking at selling it in the future. But my timeline was was pretty tight. I was trying to carry out some other strategic moves that have been planning for a couple of years. So I needed that liquidity just to be approved for another mortgage product. So a lot of moving pieces. The show's great in terms of we walk through how the purchase looked, how the day-to-day operations looked, my involvement, project management, increasing the NOI, increasing the purchase price, and then the exit strategy on the sale. So everything there is still very relevant it just the sale fell through so we switched up strategies to do the refi and those were the two options that we knew getting into this months ago that it would be one or the other so yeah listen to the show i think it's some great information at a high level essentially you know after what eight years of owning this property i've basically recouped all my capital out of it so this is one of those investments where you can now kind of consider it's a infinite return where I don't have any of my own capital tied up into it. I've pulled that all back out in a refinance. Uh, It debt services itself, meaning 
the loan I have against it is paid for from the rental income. Obviously, it's not cash flowing as much as it used to, but uh, now I have a bunch of that liquidity I can put to use elsewhere on investments. So enjoy the show. And if you have any questions about these type of multifamily strategies, commercial properties, how the financing works on it, reach out. Happy to walk through people or happy to walk through um, any of this type of strategy with you. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Matt, wake up. Can anybody hear me? You're looking a little sleepy over there today. I am a little sleepy. What's going on? You know, we had our son. Yeah. Awesome. Julian Glenn, welcome to the world. Congratulations. So far, he's 11 days old now. He's been sleeping awesome. Two hours, two hours on, two hours off. It's been pretty good. But last night was the first night where it really got to me. I was up a lot. So we'll get through today, though. And uh, yeah, it's been what a ride being a dad now. It's uh, highly recommend for sure. Yeah, just seeing him brings back a lot of memories that you just forget that yeah. three-month period of a, it's just a blur, but yeah, it's pretty surreal, eh? It is. Surreal is a perfect way to put it. It has been uh, it's been surreal. It's been a ride, and I'm loving every second of it. Yeah. yeah. Becca's doing well. Julian's doing well. We're super happy. Yeah. I'm excited for you guys. Yeah. Thank you. We'll get into today's show. It's a little bit different than what we normally do we we're not bringing on a guest today yeah our schedule is a little crazy because uh, i had a son so we we're uh taylor and i figured we'd jump on and do an episode ourselves. talk about taylor's multifamily adventures and creston and uh yeah hopefully get you guys fired up to go invest in some multifamily yeah so um hope you enjoy okay matt so yeah in 2016 i bought a property that i had uh no reason to buy Zero experience or credentials or anything to do. Had, how many? How much real estate had you bought before that? Two properties. But yeah, principal residences or just your one, uh, one one primary one rental. Oh yeah, nice, yeah. nice. You just went to dive head first into the multifamily game. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So uh, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, reading books. Yeah. You know, I was. I don't have that effect on people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we're we're hoping the same thing happens with our listener. But yeah, essentially, uh, I was looking for a mobile home park to purchase. Uh, looking all over. You were listening to Bigger Pockets. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon Turner and I were basically on the same. <laughs> all about the success. mobile home parks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he just succeeded a little bit more than me. Um, but yeah, so I actually had a so far. Yeah, yeah. I had a mobile home park. Like we were negotiating on a contract, and then when they sent over the financials it kind of fell apart because they were just basing it on financials that were not really that accurate. Oh, interesting. Um, Where was that? Somewhere pretty far up North. Oh, okay. It would have been an okay property, but probably would have been a bit of a headache. Yeah. And then this one kind of fell on my lap. Well, I was doing a lot of researching online and yeah. this one popped up and I thought, great, I'm going to just contact like the, the seller directly Turns out the seller was also the real estate agent. Oh, they listed their own property? He did, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it was a partnership. They had four people involved. Yeah. I think they originally bought the property, had some flood damage, renovated it a little bit, just couldn't really get on the same page with four people yeah. involved. 
I can imagine that'd be a little tricky. Yeah. So I negotiated with him. I was not represented. So it was really not protecting myself. Um, I just analyzed the deal on a spreadsheet that I have. I thought it made sense from an investment point of view. <laughs> Taylor makes uh, top-notch spread, spreadsheets. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just went for it. So yeah, we're just going to do a bit of a deep dive today. We're going to review some numbers, some pros and cons of multifamily. I have a lot of clients that are kind of interested in that space, but are maybe intimidated. You know, it's easy to go buy one condo or maybe a single family house, but just to make that leap can be a little bit scary sometimes. What is the leap? What is the leap besides price tag? <laughs> A little bit more risk. No, you just put Perceived a couple risk, I guess. A couple more zeros at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. So bigger down payment. Usually, you can use a lot of the the income to get approved for the mortgage. Yeah, so that's the big thing, right? Like you're not qualifying personally. Yeah. Um, so when you're going to buy a rental property right now, you are qualifying yeah. personally. But anything over four doors is commercial. You're really using the the debt service from the actual property as the income to offset the debt. So a lot of lenders have a, a debt coverage ratio that you need to meet. Most of these buildings do because not many people are selling properties that aren't going to cash flow. I mean, other than places like Vancouver, Toronto, like those cap rates are quite small. If you're looking for something that cash flows, it's going to have to be outside of those larger centers. Yeah, because lots of times people don't invest for cash flow. For say, they're hoping the appreciation just skyrockets, right? That's Vancouver, right? Yeah. You're getting institutional investors that are buying thousands of doors yeah. and sit in on the appreciation and, and they have massive management teams that they can find opportunities for smaller guys like us. We've got to think outside the box a little bit. <laughs> and you got to go to Creston. <laughs> got to go to Creston. So that's the thing, right? Like I was looking everywhere over BC yeah. and people always ask me why I went to Creston and yeah. it, it cash flowed better. Yeah. Okay. Quick question before we go. Why Creston? I just, uh, was it the Kokanee Brewery? Top on there? Yeah, it was up there. Yeah, I used to drink coconut back in the day when I bought this. Yeah. Coconut gold. Yeah. What about uh, no daylight savings time there? That's actually brilliant. Yeah. Honestly, they're on the right track with that one. They are. That is uh, very confusing when you go there because half the year they're on the Kelowna time, the other half of the year they're on Calgary time. Well, that, when I was driving out to go see the building, I was driving from Vancouver, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like I'm an hour late for the meeting with the property manager. I'm like, shit, what happened to the clock? Like. <laughs> I did not know that when I went out there. I, there's a couple of pockets in BC, and that's one of them. So that's uh, yeah, that's something to do. What about uh, the top-notch borscht? There's a lot of Russians around there. Yeah, I can't say I've had a lot of borscht. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's something about cold borscht. I don't know. I, uh, I really like that either. That's funny. And then anything to do with the sister wives that tracked you at all there? That's why I bought that 23 <laughs> unit. I wanted 23 wives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. You just want to a wife and a kid. That uh, would be perfect. Yeah, so I'll just run through, found the property. It was listed at 1.575. Yeah. Um, there's 23 doors. So per unit, it's about $68,000 a door. So, I mean, if you're doing it per door. That's amazing. It's, like, it's we're pretty buy $68,000 doors. Yeah. And then my thing when I bought it was like, great, I only have one roof to maintain, yeah. one yard maintenance company, a property manager that I can allow to look after the place. So there are a lot of benefits, like management-wise. What about it being so far away from you? I guess you also had a pretty, like, kind of had a static schedule. Not a static, but like, you were all over the place with your schedule. Like, I could see a lot of people being tempted to try and manage something like this themselves. Yeah. And, like, the fact that it's in Creston and you're so busy, it was kind of probably nice that it just took that decision away from you. It did. And it was probably more beneficial that way. Yeah. Like, when I you get so involved too. in that management, you're probably not going to do as good of a job. A lot of lenders actually require you to have like a professional contract to manage it. 
So I know like my Vernon building, yeah. they, they ask to see who's managing it because they want to make sure it's done properly. Yeah, that would uh, make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So for me at that time, it was, it worked out really well. Well, we can get into it later when I closed on the building, but um, yeah. So how it looks for that property, Yeah. Um, you needed 25% down. So that was just under $400,000. And then on top of that, estimated closing costs, like legal fees, property transfer tax, that kind of thing. That was about $50,000. So it needed about $450,000 yeah. to close on. So that is definitely a barrier of entry for a lot of people, but people are doing that. Like they're tapping into home equity right now, doing renovations, buying rental properties at 20% down. A lot of people have access to that money. You just don't know kind of where to put it. Especially if you partnered up with somebody like 450,000, you could each get 250 grand. Yeah. And you, a lot of people have 250 grand in their equity in their house, right? Like most people do. So sure. then you could tap into that and get into a multifamily like this. Although I don't know how feasible it is right now to buy a $1.6 million multifamily. Even numbers are still kind of relative, right? And we could still get into that. I mean, to spoil the ending, it's currently under contract to sell at three, two, five. So yeah. doubled in value. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a little bit harder to find those properties. But they like they exist. Yeah. Like, right. They're not. But if you buy something now for 3.2 in eight years, you're probably going to have a similar story to this. Yeah. This is interesting. But if it appreciates 5% a year, that means 15 years, it doubles in value. So like that's pretty safe. Like the appreciation in Kelowna, like I always make on like three to 5%. Yeah. So if at 5% a year, that's 15 years doubled. So if you just look at the investment that your house around here is it doubled in 15 years, like it's probably doubled in the last like five years. Yeah. Right. Like that's obviously been a little bit crazy, but it's kind of a good guide to go on with that. Yeah. And I mean, with that, like, why wouldn't you go a little bit larger if you know it's going to increase in value? Like you're appreciating based on the value of the property. Yeah. Not. No, exactly. Name, right. Yeah. If you have a. Yeah, if you have a hundred thousand dollar property or a million dollar property, it's they're both going to go up to five percent, right, or yeah. whatever it is that year. Yeah. So, how did you come up with the down payment for that one? Yeah. So, fortunately, I had a couple other rental properties, and I was saving. Yeah. So this was kind of a long term plan. Yeah. So I had a bit of a nest egg. Obviously, I had about four hundred thousand myself. Yeah. And then I actually uh, did a, like a partial syndication, so I fundraised about sixty thousand dollars from investors. Not sure, if, not sure if that's legal at this point anymore. I didn't really do much due diligence. I just, like I said, I was reading books, doing podcasts. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, this seems seems reasonable. So I put together a promissory note through through my lawyer. Yeah. He drafted it up. Yeah. I offered it. I put together a whole proposal to investors and said, basically, this is how much capital I'm fundraising. This is how much I'm investing in it. I was going to pay 7.5% for the first year and 8.5%. Yeah. I second did year. almost the same thing when I bought my last rental property is I wrote something exactly like Did that. You? Yeah. Oh, I, cool. wrote a, I actually have a letter. You just write it all out and then it kind of makes the other person think that you really know what you're talking about too. <laughs> right. And, but also when you write something like that, it makes you think about, do I know what I'm talking about? Well, right? and you know, that's probably the benefit of doing that too. Like it really put pressure on me to be diligent with the numbers yeah. Yeah. and, and overanalyze it to make sure so what I did, how I based those numbers, I would have loved to pay more, but I just looked at the cash on cash return. So actually how much money I was personally going to receive from the building. Yeah. And that's how much I could afford to pay people. Yeah. So there's I a couple could, of ways to do that though, because you could do, you could pay them an amount, like a percentage, or you could give them part of the building, right? There's, there's a few. Totally. Ways yeah. To and I know some of the investors wanted to be like part of that ride. And yeah. I, I wish I could have opened it up that way. 
it kind of complicates things a little bit to bring somebody in, you know, there's pros and cons to it, yeah. but also the way I was potentially going to manage this building for the first few years, it yeah. wasn't really going to make any money. Like it was a long-term play for me. Yeah. So to convince someone to like buy into that would be a little bit more stressful. I find. I agree for your situation. I think you did it right. But like there are situations where, Absolutely. listen, I can't tell you exactly how much money I'm going to pay you. Even though when you write it out, you should be able to have a pretty good idea. But like, listen, do you want to just be like an X amount owner? Yeah. Right. So like that is an option. Yeah. Whether it's not like, obviously it didn't work for this one, but it is an option. Yeah. So for this, like they seem like small returns, but since the building performed pretty well, like I was very conservative with my numbers. Yeah. I was able to pay people back much sooner than anticipated. So everyone got like 11% return, 12% return, you know, in actuality, because I paid them back a few months prior. So it worked really well for them. Everyone was happy. I was happy. Obviously I didn't cash flow a lot because my money in the first couple of years were going to investors. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I got into it. So a little bit of a risk, a little bit of a roll of the dice and yeah. a lot of research and due diligence. And the nice part of these as well is you have appraisals, inspections, environmental reports. The lender is like picking through everything with finances yeah. home. So like other people are also looking at this. Yeah. It's not like you can just go out and, and make this happen without anyone looking over your shoulder. That's kind of, I was talking to somebody about this too. Like that's kind of the nice thing with getting institutional money. Is like they double check your work because yeah. they do. <laughs> so it's kind of nice when you go in there, you're like, yeah, they believe in it. Like I believe in it. Right. So, like, yeah, that's a good point. That's definitely a good thing to think about. Yeah. For sure. And they do a little, they obviously do a background check on you, what yeah. your job is, what your experience is. Crazy shit you said on podcasts. Yeah. They'll Google your name, <laughs> but you know, they're not looking at your personal income, right? It's all based on the building. So yeah. if the building makes sense, they're going to lend the money to it. So yeah, basically, I think we spoke about this before. I was in Colombia traveling over to Ecuador, yeah. doing some mountaineering. Some coffee. Yeah, yeah, doing some mountaineering <laughs> down there. First day, a washing machine broke because the tenants put some carpenter nails in there. And it just <laughs> As tenants do. ripped the drum apart. Um, <laughs> so that gave me like a heart attack. I, was, I had no Wi-Fi, basically. I was in the middle of Ecuador on the mountain trying to figure out how to do this. No savings, living off credit cards and a yeah. couple dollars in my pocket. Um, but I, I knew the outcome would be worth it. So yeah, we just you know kept kind of plugging away on that. So how it looked when I bought the building, it was a 7.1 cap, yeah. cap rate, yeah. capitalization rate, which at that time was was pretty good. It was pretty fair. Since then, That's still really good. It is really good. Yeah. Since then, cap rates have kind of compressed, which yeah. to the You can't listener, find a building for 7%. Yeah, to the listener, like the cap, the larger the cap rate, the more it's going to cash flow. Basically, it's providing you income. Essentially, if you were to have the building completely paid off and there was no loan, that's like the return on investment that you would get. So at a 7.1 cap, it was pretty healthy where all the other properties I was looking at in the Okanagan, Vancouver, like Okanagan would be a five cap, Vancouver would be a three. So the cash flow wasn't there to really make me want to do it. Why Creston is a higher cap, like a better return is for obvious reasons, you know, a little bit more risk, more vacancy, harder to manage, harder to get supplies out there. If you need to do maintenance, like it's, you know, you're taking that risk, but you're reaping the cash flow. So that's why Vancouver's cap rates so low is because there's so much safety. Like you're at a 0% vacancy. It's yeah. going to appreciate like everyone yeah. feels comfortable in that market. You're going to get the best lenders because they want to lend their money to somewhere they know. So yeah, bought for a 7.1 cap. 
the way I ran the numbers still made enough. So the gross rent that I was receiving at that time was 176,000. Yeah, basically the expenses on that, I won't run through all the numbers, but it was about 35% to operate the building. That's repairs, maintenance, uh, insurance, property tax, property management, snow removal, et cetera. Um, And that's generally in between that 30 to 40% is going to be your operating expenses for those type of multifamily buildings, depending on the age of them. Was this one was a bit older, wasn't it? Yeah, it was built in uh, the late seventies and it wasn't in like the best of shape. It was okay. I didn't really see the opportunity until a couple of years into it. And that opportunity, like a lot of them is, you know, you got to put a bit of sweat equity and some, some more capital into it and do some better management and then get better tenants in there and they're going to pay more rent and it yeah. kind of snowballs from there. Did you do any uh, like any significant renovations on that building? Yeah, so I bought it in 2016, didn't yeah. really do anything for the first 2 years, yeah. just kind of let it cash flow, paid back investors, didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I just yeah. thought passive income is great. I'm going to buy this and retire. <laughs> That's and how that works, right? Yeah. And then two years into it, I had a, a tenant pass away. <laughs> had a few of those, but uh, you've had more than one tenant pass away. Yeah, I've had four. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I should not be laughing. No, you should. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, you know, it's just old age. When you have that many tenants, they yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, they gotta they gotta go somewhere at some stage. But yeah, so he passed away, and like any unit that. You yeah. know, had a pre-existing tenant, you kind of want to give it a, a pretty good facelift if you're going to re-rent it and disclose like, hey, somebody did pass away as a natural cause, et cetera. But we wanted to really redo the floors, paint, kitchen, everything. Yeah. And when we did that, we added about uh, 600 bucks a month in rent. So it rented for 600 bucks a month. Now it's renting for 1200 bucks a month. And that renovation cost about 15,000 bucks. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a significant rent increase for Kristen. Yeah. So they were undervalued. Yeah. So if you're thinking you invest 15 grand yeah. and you'll get a return of 7,200 bucks a year. So in two years, it's paid for itself. That is a fantastic investment. You know, if anything is going to give you that return, you should do it. But the real upside, which I think a lot of listeners maybe don't understand on the commercial side is how you calculate the purchase price of a commercial or multifamily building is based on your net operating in- income. Yeah. So by increasing your rent roll, you're increasing the purchase price. So you just take that and your multiplier is your cap. I know it's getting a little bit confusing, but to simplify it, that $15,000 investment created a $7,200 annual return. In turn, that created $100,000 on the purchase price added to it. In value. Yeah. yeah. So basically for every $15,000 I spent, I got $100,000 of equity built in to the value of the building. If you increase the rents. Like. If I could increase the rents. Yeah. So we did that once, twice, three times. We just continued to do that. Yeah. We did that. Like unit by unit as they moved out? Or just, no. Yeah. Yeah. We never actually evicted anyone yeah. in that building. You know, there was enough frequent turnover that we just took the opportunity to, to renovate them when they come, came available. I always kept fully stocked one of the mechanical rooms there, flooring, vanity, light fixtures. Like I had a whole list of material. So as soon as a place came vacant, like if it was vacant on the first and we didn't know the tenant was moving out, we had a contractor in there the next day, renovate that whole unit within 30 days, re-rent it. And then I would just reorder that whole list from 
Home Depot, Amazon, oh, whatever, idea. get it shipped out there and then restock everything. So we had, nice. and then you have extra parts too when things break. And stuff yeah, like exactly. So it was, it was really nice that way. We just had to get the contractor in there. And fortunately, like we had a pretty good relationship with the contractor. So yeah, that's kind of key too, especially for a small town like that. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we were basically doing one unit. Sometimes we do two units a month. Um, I went out a couple of times myself. I did about five of those units. Uh, we reported the concrete sidewalk did all the patio railings, did the patio doors, yep. um, you know, invested outside of just the actual units, did the, the hallway carpets and everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, basically 18 units, that was about a $270,000 investment. But if you think it pays for itself in two years, like we did that, we did 18 units over four years. So in the first two years, it cost us obviously a substantial amount of money. Yeah. And then in the second two years, it was already generating enough money to cover the next renovation. So really you only have to renovate about nine of the units to increase your cash flow enough to pay for like the remaining nine. Yeah. So I wasn't really out of pocket much at that point. Yeah. So yeah, we invested about 270,000 into the units, probably another hundred thousand into the, the railings, patios, hallways. How did you come up with this money? Did you like, re, are you refinancing all the time or like, did you just come up with extra cash to pay for this or no? So at this point, like the building was cash flowing, yeah. right? It was producing income. Yeah. Even at 10 to 15,000 bucks in the early stages that allowed me to, to do one of those units. And then with the increased rent roll, I could just put that. So I was never really withdrawing any money myself, like yeah. to pay myself anything. Yeah. I kept all the money in my company and just kept reinvesting it into the property. So like literally every dollar I earned, I just put it back in. So if I renovated, say, two units, like you kind of got to obviously put a bit of extra cash into it. Yeah. If I renovated two units right off the bat, that's another 15 grand a year in rent, right? Yeah. So then I just put that money, that 15 grand into another unit, and then I'm up to another $22,000 a year. Yeah. And then I can renovate two more units, and then I'm up to 40. And then you, so you just keep putting that money back in. Now you can do refis, yeah. and I, I did. Yeah, that was kind of my strategy with this there was nothing fancy about it there was nothing fast like it was just on a long-term plan i'm just going to keep adding value keep reinvesting money and i i really didn't have an exit strategy for it like it was just i saw the value of investing in it yeah. so i kept doing it yeah good for you that's obviously sounds like an ideal investment there but yeah so the the real power of like creating more value in that building was like you said you can then tap into that equity so once you know, another property came up like on a larger scale, a commercial property. Yeah. I was able to go to the lender, get another appraisal. And again, like you can, I knew what the appraisal was going to come in at because yeah. I knew what the cap rate was in the area and I knew what my rent roll was yeah. versus my expenses. Yeah. So got an appraisal, it appraised for more money. I was able to tap into another couple hundred thousand dollars, use that as a down payment on another property. Um, a couple more years later, rent just kept increasing. So I did another refi on it. Um, so you just keep leveraging that that money. You're just carrying that debt. Yeah, it worked out really well that way. And all the time, it's just paying for itself. And Yeah. So much like if you were, I mean, this is just a larger example of if you were going to go buy a $400,000 rental apartment in Kelowna, yeah. it kind of cash flows, you know, in four or five years, you've paid down some debt, it's appreciated. You want to buy another rental property, you do a refi on it. You go buy another rental property. You just keep doing that. The problem when you're doing it personally on that smaller scale is 
lenders won't continue to lend you because yeah, you got to stop your personal income. Yeah, you got to debt service all that, right? Yeah. So, so on these commercial buildings, you don't run into that issue. So it's if you can keep redeploying that money, the sky's the limit, really. And there's a lot of tax advantages, and you know you can be incorporated and, and run it that way. But yeah, that's kind of the the high level view of that building. What, how did you work the tax? Like any tax advantages with this? Or? Yeah. So uh, a large reason why you want to do refis on these type of properties is because yeah. you're not paying tax with on the that. capital gain tax. Yeah. yeah, you're generating like capital that you're pulling out, yeah. but you don't have to pay for it. So you're deferring tax until when you sell the building. Yeah. Um, but the the tough part is with passive income, you are taxed at a higher rate. So you're taxed at it's 52.2% in a corporation. There's ways to offset that. You know, from that company, I can then pay myself a T4 or dividends. But basically, I was deferring tax forever because I kept reinvesting it into my property. And then outside of that, once I did a refi and then took the money to buy another property, you're investing the money pre-tax dollars. You're not liquidating it, paying the government 30% or 40% or whatever you fall in in that capital gain bracket, and then go buy another property. Basically, defer taxes as long as you can. So you're making an income based on, you know, a larger amount of money. If that kind of makes any sense. I just, what about like taxing, like you kind of touched on their taxing the cash flow, but like taxing the rent. So you just, you basically just renovate the units and write that off against the. Yeah. Yeah. You run it as a business. Yeah. So properties like this have a, a larger expense. I mean, much like if you were going to run, I keep using the example of a $400,000 condo in Kelowna. Yeah. If you had a property manager, if you had to do any maintenance, strata fees, interest on your mortgage payment, yeah. you know, if you actually had to say you were filing taxes for that and you had to pay an accountant 400 bucks, like all those kind of offset your income. So most people on their rental properties in Kelowna, they're not really paying income tax on that unless they've owned it for multiple, multiple years where they don't like they're paying down quite a bit of principal. So at some stage you will have to pay, pay tax. Obviously, I'm going to run into that now because we're selling. Sell it, yeah, we have it under contract. Great buyer, pretty good purchase price. I think it's fair for both parties. Yeah. So yeah, it's listed 3.25, and uh, he's come in at asking price. Good firm offer with good dates. So excited about that. And I mean, the question is, why are you selling? You know, people are like it. Like right now, the rent roll when I originally bought it was. 12, 13,000 bucks a month. Now it's at 25,000 bucks a month. So we've yeah. doubled the rent, yeah. doubled the value of the building. Yeah. Why would you sell? Like that's a great cash flowing property, puts money in your account. Like it, it's headache free. But I'm just more excited to deploy that elsewhere locally in the Okanagan. There's a couple other projects I want to work on. I just feel I've done what I needed to do to that building. So you can add another 13 units there. I've done the survey, geo topo, everything. So the next person that is buying it is probably going to build an additional 13 units there. I can't really justify doing that myself. It's a little bit too far for me to kind of be involved in such a large scale build. Yeah. Like that's tough um, forever to get to Kristen. Yeah. Not that like you have to be there. Like, not like I'm going to provide a lot of oversight. Like, hey, there's a nail sticking out. Hit that one. Um, you know what I mean? But I just yeah. don't know the contacts there well enough. Yeah. Um, I honest, I know that, yeah, you wouldn't, you're not doing, you're not swinging the hammer, but it would still be, a, yeah. it'd still be, I'd want to be involved. Yeah. Yes. So they're, the guy that has it under contract, it's him and his partner. They're buying a ton of these. They develop properties. 
Like he has a thousand plus doors. He knows what he's doing. He's out of province, but like he can fly in his team. They can build 13 more units. So I've, I've taken it. I think every property has a position for a certain investor. Right. And I've fulfilled my role over the last eight years. I've done what I could do. And now it's time to pass it on to someone that can take it to the next level. And that's going to provide a better service to the tenant, just a, a better product, you know, so it'd be a little bit greedy for me to try and hold on to that. And there's some opportunity for somebody else to take it. But in the same sense, like, yeah, I'm looking to to buy some other properties around here and reinvest the capital. So. Awesome. So owning a building like that, you must have ran into some hilarious stories. Come on, spill the goods. What's happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two that come to mind. I mean, there's a handful of good tenant stories. I, should do a I have a handful of good tenant stories. Yeah. We need to do a whole podcast on that. But you have your tenants over for dinner and stuff. <laughs> No wonder you yeah. have good stories. Yeah. Um, okay, so two that came to mind. I had security cameras put in that building. They got ripped down, but... <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. How long yeah. did that last? I don't know, like six months or something, and they all got ripped out of there. Um, oh I mean, yeah. Why? Just because they didn't like him, or they just put Yeah, probably. Own. Like, you want some privacy in the Kootenays. If you're living out there, you're, you're living there for yeah. a reason, you know? Yeah. But the property manager wanted cameras and i have them in my vernon building and they're great yeah, they work yeah. really well yeah out there it just it was a bad investment but it was worth a try like we wanted to provide a more secure premises for the tenants yeah like a couple people's bikes were stolen outside so we're like okay we're, we're gonna make an effort anyways had these security cameras installed i had a, a plumber come in to fix one of the drains in the laundry room yeah and uh so he's working away working away and i can't remember why i looked but yeah his invoice came in and it was like a four-hour charge or something to fix the uh, the washing machine. So I was like, I'm going to just check the camera and like actually see how long he was there for. Yeah. He was there for maybe 20 minutes. During that 20 minutes, he had to go to the washroom and he couldn't find a bathroom. So he just peed in the laundry room sink. And I've got the whole thing on camera. I was like, oh my God. So oh my God. I sent him an email. and I was, He's the one that ripped down the cameras for sure. Yeah, oh, probably. <laughs> so I, I sent him an email and I was like, hey, um, you know, I won't mention his name. Not that anyone knows plumbers out there. But I said, hey, just a quick heads up. Like, you know, I, I see your invoices for four hours. Um, I don't actually think you were there. Also, like a bit of a heads up. I do have security cameras on the premise. So, you know, if you are doing anything, just... You know, I want you to be aware, like they're very obvious and we have signs that they're security cameras, but clearly he didn't see them. Yeah. He writes back. He's super defensive. He's like, I was there for four hours. No chance. Blah, blah, blah. Pay me my money. And then I was like, I gave him an L. So then I quickly just wrote like, hey, like I saw you urinate in the laundry room sink um, (laughs) within the 15 minutes. Yeah, I think I did. (laughs) After that, like he cleared the invoices like, okay, done. And we... You no longer <laughs> used them. So that was one. Um, the other one, when I was out oh there, God, we were we were repouring the concrete for the sidewalk. So I was running a bobcat, jackhammering up all the concrete and stuff. Yeah. And um, I had a uh, one of the tenants. He was kind of like an on-site caretaker. We had an agreement where, you know, since the security cameras didn't work, <laughs> we were going to have an on-site. John security of, for him. Yeah. He's the culprit. Yeah, yeah, kind of guy that I could call if we needed anything <laughs> taken care of immediately. And uh, so part of that deal was also like we were going to change out. It was a four-level building. We were going to rip out all the, the commercial hallway carpets yeah. and replace it. So part of the deal was, hey, he was going to rip out all the carpet for me. So I had a garbage bin. 
he was hauling out the carpet. I'm running the Bobcat. Nobody knows I'm the owner of this building. Like I don't really <laughs> like to walk through a building and have people know I own it. You're not like Trump. He doesn't say, <laughs> yeah, I don't, put, like I don't put my name on it. Yeah. <laughs> T- Taylor manner. Yeah. So, um, bow down. I, yeah. you know, he brings out maybe a couple rolls of carpet and he's looking pretty, pretty tired and sweating and about to pass out and call oh, man. I feel pretty bad right now. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden I see somebody else carry out some carpet and then another person. And then another person. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? And, he enlisted help. Yeah. And I'm like, I is he hired help? Or I'm like, he can't have hired help because like the deal was he wasn't really able to afford full rent. So this is how we're going to kind of structure this deal. Yeah. I don't know all the tenants in the building. Like I don't go out there often enough. Yeah. And then I start seeing more and more people come. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to walk through the hall and kind of see if I can eavesdrop and see what's going on. He's walking through the hallways, knocking on people's doors, <laughs> tenants' doors, asking them if they'll cut the carpet out and carry it out to the garbage bin. And in turn, he's offering them bags of weed to do it. So he's literally paying my tenant. This is my like on-site security guy paying my tenants in weed oh to rip out carpet that he's supposed to rip out. So yeah, we we had a couple like fun stories, but that, was, that honestly doesn't sound like the worst thing to me. No, it was at the time I was like, how do I deal with this? Like, am I liable for some illegal? That was, was that before it was legal? Yeah, this was pre-legalization. Yeah. So I was a bit nervous. I'm like, I'm just gonna keep running the bobcat. I don't know. Yeah, just see nothing. So yeah, there's a couple stories. I mean, there's always a few stories with this stuff. Yeah, real high level review. <laughs> Bought the building for 1.5 ish sunk a couple hundred grand into it but most of that was cash flow from the property was able to you know pay off some investors they were happy with it yeah sold it for kind of double the value and reinvesting that money elsewhere so if anyone is interested in multifamily stuff or they're nervous about it reach out to matt and myself we can kind of walk you through some of this stuff this isn't for everyone but if someone's just got it it, seems intimidating but it really isn't right when you go through it all yeah like if you can buy a four hundred thousand dollar condo downtown, you can buy a multifamily. Yeah, and it doesn't have yeah. to be twenty three units in Creston. Yeah, you know it could be a a five six unit building in Salmon Arm or something. Yeah. I find there's there's great value in these buildings. So yeah, if you if you have any interest, let us know. Yeah, that was awesome, Taylor, going through all that, and uh, thank you for sharing. Okay, Matt. Well, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for walking. That was a lot that. of fun. Yeah, some good stories there. I'll I'll get out of your uh, your mat cave here so you can go back to being. Yeah, in I gotta get in some more cuddles here in a second. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, quickly still have our our golf season ahead of us. So, like we said, if you guys repost uh, a podcast, post this on social media, throw it on your Instagram, tag us, whatever your favorite one is, your episode, your name's gonna be put into a draw, and we're gonna take somebody out golfing. And, uh, At this point, if one post is getting is going golfing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh snap no we've got a lot of posts yeah. yeah so yeah we're looking forward to hitting the golf course soon with uh, anyone yeah. anyone out there yeah you'll take anyone golfing yeah yeah okay thanks All we'll right. uh, we'll talk to you guys next week <laughs> yeah thanks thanks for listening to the Kelowna real estate podcast be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.